Welcome to the Exec MBA Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Twitty, and you are listening to a new episode. On this episode of the podcast, I'm excited to share my recent conversation with Amy Jackson. Amy is a second year student in our Executive MBA class of 2023, and she and I recently connected to talk more about her decision to pursue an MBA, as well as what led her to DART. We also talk about her experience in the program thus far, as well as her new role as Chief Early Learning Strategy Officer for Primrose Schools. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. So without further ado, here is my interview with Amy Jackson. Amy, welcome to the podcast. Hi there. Well, it's great to great to have you here on the show. Um, how are things? How are you doing? Uh, it's well, it's great to be here. Uh, happy Friday. Um, and things things are going very well. I am um, what almost a month into a new job, so uh, a little. A little different, maybe, um, for me lately, but but all good. And you still had time for the podcast. We appreciate that. Know how busy life can be when you're starting a brand new job and, oh, by the way, also doing an executive MBA program at the same time. Um, I'm only in two classes this quarter, so. <laughs> all right. Tell us what two classes you're taking. I always find it fun just to hear what electives people are, are enrolled in. Sure. I'm in executive coaching or the, you know, Barbara Millar's class, it's wonderful about being a coach um, and um, leading in uncertainty. All right. Those are two, two good classes uh, there. So um, you are on the home stretch. You've got one more quarter and then LR2 and then graduation. Are you excited to be at this point in the program? Oh, I'm thrilled. Um, it's a little bittersweet. I think, you know, there's um, for sure, it's exciting to think about being done and, uh, you know, an accomplishment, but also this realization of, you know, I'm not going to get to spend weekends with, what, 160 of, you know, my great friends now, or, um, you know, be engaged in some of the learning and conversations that I've gotten a chance to be part of since this program started. And that, for me, is, um, you know, I've, I've kind of had a lot of thought lately about how do I keep that going in my life, uh, you know, and how do I purposefully use all the time that maybe went elsewhere, you know, went, went to Darden before, um, you know, because I think it can kind of get reabsorbed uh, in maybe not the best ways, but for sure, how do I keep my mind um, really thinking about some of the, the really important topics and engaged in learning the way I have been for the last couple of years. That's one of my favorite things uh, that happens when people graduate from Darden. They maybe take a couple months, and then all of a sudden you start seeing all these like education updates on on LinkedIn, not related to the fact that they're now Darden graduates. It's like, oh, I've been working on this certificate program. I just completed this cloud computing thing. Like people continue learning. It's as if this program kind of, I, I guess, kicked off some sort of general interest in continuing to learn, prof develop professionally, whatever the case may be. Right. Um... Yeah, I, I don't know what's next for me in that regard. I don't I don't know that law school's in the books, but, <laughs> but we'll see. No promises. Um, but that you know that that's truly what I've loved um, about this. I just love about learning in general, and so yeah, it's, it's a little bittersweet. Well, tell us more about you. Um, who are you? What's your background? Sure. So, uh, you know, I. I think everyone comes to Darden maybe with their definitely everyone comes with a unique background, but I certainly felt that way when I joined. Um, so I uh, started my career as a teacher. I was a kindergarten teacher 
and moved into fourth grade, moved into administration, and um, through just a handful of changes in my life, I um, married someone who was in the army, and so that led us to a bunch of different moves early on in my career, and it took me out of the classroom and um, kind of at my first intersection with education and business when I moved into consulting and I was doing consulting work directly in schools, but it was a for-profit organization. And um, that led me to a whole bunch of different connections. And then I ended up working in ed tech. Uh, and now I um, work for a very large franchise early learning center um, organization. So it's, it's about 500 today, uh, early learning centers around the country and that are independently um, own franchises, and I work for on the corporate side of that in their strategy and overseeing their education team. Um, so I've had a really interesting uh, career so far, I think, and I felt like, um, you know, coming to Darden, I might be different, and, you know, so I learned that everyone has an interesting path in their career, <laughs> so I'm not that special, it turns out, but uh, for sure, you know, I, I come to it def definitely identifying as an educator first, and um, on a personal side, I uh, have two little girls. I have a four-year-old and a seven-year-old. And um, recently, not, not recently anymore, but about two years ago, moved to Charlottesville. Uh, and because my, my husband got out of the army, so um, we decided to you know, really um, plant our roots here in Charlottesville, because we love it here. So you moved to Charlottesville. I imagine it sort of lined up with the start of your executive MBA program, if I'm doing the math right. Very much so. So we um, decided on Charlottesville. I, I actually think I can remember this pretty exactly. We decided for sure between, we were looking at a few different places in the country, came together one night and said like, it's for sure Charlottesville. And the following weekend I applied to DART. And um, you know, then what, however long it takes to to be accepted after that. So yes, I was I was committed to Darden before we had a house, <laughs> before uh, before we had yeah before we had a place to live, before we really knew anything. Um, but I, I kind of had this idea that an MBA felt right for me, and was so excited about what I found in the Darden program. And then you know it just it just really um, you know sealed it, and, and quite honestly made me that much more excited about the move, um, and. Yeah, it made Charlottesville feel like home really fast. I would say if you live in a college town, being affiliated with the college is a pretty important thing, <laughs> um, or else it can be a little annoying, I guess. I don't know, but um, you know, being here and, and having an affiliation so immediately with UVA has been great. Well, talk to us about your decision to pursue an MBA because you mentioned identifying as an educator, obviously spending time in the classroom and then uh, in a consulting role, all this kind of you know, education work, how did you decide an MBA uh, was the next step for you? Yeah, so, um, you know, I, first of all, I, I kind of said, I, I love learning. I have um, a doctoral degree in education. Like I kind of did the whole course. I have a master's, a doctoral degree um, in education. And so I, I kind of never stopped to a certain extent and it felt natural, you know, it does feel natural for me to keep going, which is why I joke about law school, but who knows, right? Um, it just kind of feels normal for me. Um, but as I made it kind of into the business world more and started leading teams, I started, you know, taking on certain responsibilities that 
others felt I was equipped to do, uh, like manage a PL and manage teams and, you know, be in certain negotiation kind of conversations. And, you know, I think I was in, in, in truth, I, you know, I, I certainly um, was doing my job. I personally didn't feel confident in it. Um, and I went through a pretty early experience as a team leader when I, I started growing my team um, where the company had to do pretty major reduction in force following an acquisition. And it was, not only was it something post-acquisition that I didn't really understand um, quite in the same way that I do now after taking corporate finance and understanding synergies, um, it was that, but I also didn't really feel like I knew enough to really to really advocate for my team. Um, and then that kind of turned into after that, holy cow, you know, the decisions I make every day as a leader of this team directly impacts the livelihoods of all of these people. Um, and I, I kind of internalized that a lot. And that, that really, um, it sounds maybe a little cheesy. That was my big driver is like, I wanna feel really confident in being the leader that you deserve. And I wanna feel confident that the decisions I'm making, big and small, um, are the best thing for this company, which is you know, also the best thing for each person on this, on this team. Uh, and I didn't personally, whether anybody else did or not, I personally didn't. And I felt like formal education would be a really great route at building that confidence within myself. And for sure it has, um, you know, absolutely. It has, but that's, I, th I think that's, that's the biggest motivator for me is, um, and I think from a natural, I think the, the reality of it is I am viewed really differently in the professional world now. And I, I know for sure this role that I just moved into wouldn't have happened had I not had that side. Um, and that's something that in, especially education, there is, there's quite an edu business um, sector out there, but there are very few practitioners that have really formal business education um, paired with it. And so it, I felt like it kind of also differentiated me. So what led you to Darden? Was it, you know, moved to Charlottesville, you wanted to be connected to the, the local university, or was uh, there some other motivator? Um, it was for sure, in part, because we were thinking about Charlottesville and I love the area. Um, I did look at a lot of other programs because certainly there are ones that you can do in, you know, asynchronously. I was always looking at executive programs and, you know, there, there are a lot. What actually made the decision easy for me was getting into the, uh, I guess, early admissions process. So, you know, my first conversation with you, for example, I didn't have that in any of the other programs I looked at. I got a lot of like spammy emails, it felt like, or, you know, like a lot of kind of impersonal um, pieces. And that mattered a lot to me because I am for sure a social learner. And, you know, I think that that gave me really good insight or what I felt like at the time would insight into what the program would be, look, would be like. And I think that absolutely has been the reality for me. Um, but it's really that. And I do, um, very much respect the case-based approach to things and um, believe in that from a methodology standpoint and thought that that would also really fit the way I wanted to learn and experience some of the content. Yeah, I was curious to be an educator and to come to an MBA program uh, that takes the education experience so seriously and really prides itself on that. 
What's that been like? Yeah, well, you know, not only not only do I have more like formal education training, I've also taught in the higher ed space for a while, and I've taught in a master's program at Johns Hopkins, and um, I thought, and I think I remember talking to you about this in my admissions, I was a little worried that that was going to really throw me in the way that I might be able to be a student, and it hasn't, um, it, it really hasn't, and, um, but I do think I look at and have a deep respect for the way the Darden professors facilitate learning. The way that they're able to move conversations is not easy. And um, the way that they're able to let it flow in such a um, you know, conversational analysis, but that we also get to all the points. Uh, that takes a ton of skill. I know, <laughs> I, I, I know, and, but it is so much more powerful that way. And that's absolutely what I've experienced, I think, in every single class where I know we take away the right things, but somehow it just happens really organically or it feels like it happens organically. And when you're sitting there, I know that's not to the professor. So, uh, so you know, I, I, I deeply admire that. What do you enjoy about learning through the case method? It's relatable. You know, I, I think that's why you hear like stories matter. Um, you know, people think in stories and they learn in stories. It's, it's that, right? It's, it's something where you can kind of, even if it's not your space, um, I kind of joke, someone, someone said like, oh, you'll get a case that like, you know, matches your industry. I have not yet. <laughs> I, it hasn't happened yet. Um, but there are so many pieces where I can say like, oh, I've had something like that happen. Or I remember hearing about that story or like, you know, my cousin works in that company, you know, and, and somehow you can kind of form a connection. And then all of a sudden you're that much more interested in it. It's very different than when you're reading you know, just a, a chapter of direct content or when there's really explicit direct instruction and that's all you're hearing. Um, so that, that to me is, I think the, the thing that I love is the connection that you can feel naturally to it. And you mentioned being a social learner, uh, this kind of element of, do you feel like you're somebody that needs to talk it out or have that sort of back and forth with a classmate or um, what does that mean uh, to you? It, to me, social, yes. Um, yes, I, I do better when I'm able to talk about it with somebody and, you know, you're immersed together in a problem. You know, that that's kind of at the core of what the case really is, is, and everybody thinks about every problem a little bit differently and there's a lot to learn about there. You know, so when someone looks at the same problem that you are and sees a different side of it or sees, you know, for sure a different solution and interprets both things differently than you do, that's a really powerful learning experience. And, you know, for sure there are these nuances of like, oh, I didn't even think about that um, all the way to, holy cow, I just, I realize now how like biased I was in, in the way that I was thinking about it or, um, you know, that, hey, we, we also heard about this framework that would be really helpful. You know, I mean, you, you start to form all these like just more expansive ways to think and that is gonna stick with me forever, I think, of remembering for any one problem that we ever encountered in Darden, there were, you know, however many people in that room, different solutions to it and different interpretations of it. And, you know, I, I 
certainly take that with me even today when I'm sitting in a meeting going, ooh, someone else is thinking about this very differently than I am. And it makes me a better listener, I think too, um, because I have been humbled many times uh, in this program to, to think that I'm missing a good chunk of whatever someone else might see. So you come to Darden, you're a brand new MBA student. Uh, what was the biggest adjustment or the biggest adjustments uh, for you over the first uh, few quarters? may sound a little a little hokey but really believing that I was meant to be there was one of the bigger ones for me of that I actually can do it and I, I will do it and that you know I'm honestly not as bad off as I thought I would be in the quant side that's that's definitely one piece of just like okay here, here I am um, let's do this and then I think from a you know on the tactical side time management was a little tricky in the beginning for me. Um, not so much time, but managing kind of my life. And, you know, I got into this kind of flow of classes and um, what I could commit to with my learning team. I had to say, guys, I can't do this. And just having, you know, an honest conversation about that. Same thing with having an honest conversation with my family and saying like, you got to do dinner in bedtime tonight and I'm going to go away. But then, you know, tomorrow I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to take it, you know, and I'll pick up more slack. Um, getting into that rhythm took a little bit. Um, and in fact, I will um, send a shout out to my husband. So my very first quarter, um, it was still, you know, we were still in a lot of pandemic craziness and my daughter's preschool shut down. Like they just closed for 10 days <laughs> and it was the 10 days of finals week. And I was trying to work. We couldn't obviously get a sitter cause she had expo been exposed. So I was trying to work and like take care of a three-year-old at the time. And like, it was just nuts. And my finals were due that following weekend. And, um, I like, that was the first quarter too. So I was kind of beside myself about how I could do this. And, um, my husband actually got me a hotel room um, over the weekend. So I could just like go by myself and get my finals done all by myself in a hotel, like 10 minutes down the road. <laughs> um, and, you know, now I, that was necessary at the time because I was just getting in the groove of my scheduling, but, you know, it was that kind of thing that it took a second to really find a balance and to know how to adapt when crazy stuff like that happens. Yeah, it is also a process, uh, learning how to be a, a Darden student, not just it's new subject matter. It's just how, how do you do all of this at the same time? That That's also a learning curve. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious about the first thing that you were talking about, just the, you know, I deserve to be here thing. It's something we actually hear from a number of executive MBA students and it comes up with MBA students generally, this kind of feeling like, oh, I must be the person who slipped in here. Uh, everybody else is so talented and all this kind of stuff. Um, um, what, what really helped you get over that hump, Amy, do you think, in sort of that, that feeling? I'm curious. Oh, getting to know people. Um, just getting to know people. And I think it's so easy to kind of stereotype what you think is an MBA student or someone who has an MBA. And, you know, that stereotype that I had in my mind does not fit anybody I know today. Um, you know, I knew it didn't fit me, 
um, but it certainly hasn't fit anybody else I've met in this program either. And um, kind of joke, it was easier once the masks came off, <laughs> you know, to, to really get that and see it. Uh, but we've had so much fun, I would say, you know, and, and having that kind of um, just relationship and friendship with people is, is, I think, what really helped me. And to see how committed, and I think this is in large credit to the environment that Darden establishes for people, but um, how supportive everybody is of each other and you know, how quick we are to cheer each other on and to you know, just go out of our way to, to help. Were you expecting to have a lot of fun in your executive MBA no, program? Not this much fun. I've actually had to like set boundaries on my fun. Um, so no, <laughs> I have, I have to, to institute a personal rule of going out one night, one night every OGR, not both. <laughs> I love that uh, point. Um, there's too much to, to be had. Um, so um, one of the things I think is true, um, and I, if I'm wrong about this, please do correct me, but I feel like there's a solid core of, of folks down in Charlottesville who drive up together for the weekend residencies. A am I right? Yes, um, we have. We have called ourselves the Mambiers because um, for some other than one, I think every all of the there's eight or nine of us in Charlottesville and all but all but actually I'm sorry, all but two are women. Um, and yes, I've been part of been lucky enough to be part of a little carpool um, and electives have thrown our carpool schedule for a loop. So um, a little less of that, which I miss uh, since electives have started and our schedules are different, but that had, you know, I, I very much value those two hours up and two hours down, um, you know, cause we prep a lot on the way there, you know, talk about a lot of key things. I'm like, what, what, what did I miss? Like what's going on? You know, help me explain or help me understand this. Um, you know, I think we did a lot of that early on and then always the way back is, you know, just fun stuff and talking about restaurants and decompressing from a weekend. And, um, that's also huge, uh, here it has been for me, um, to really not only get to, to know those, those ladies better, but just to feel, you know, more a part of the program and to feel more comfortable around everybody. So I want to talk about your new role. Like many people, I get all of my professional update news from, from LinkedIn. And I saw that come across. And I was like, gosh, we got to have Amy on the podcast. Talk about how all this happened. So you, you start the program, you're, you're doing one thing. And now here you are close to the end of the program. You've got a new, new role. Um, talk us through that process. How did that come about? Mm -hmm. So, um, well, I, I will, I'll, I'll start and say, um, I never would have thought that I would have changed roles in the middle of this program. And for anyone who did in the very beginning, I remember thinking like, they've got to be nuts and how could they possibly? And I did have, I, I joined the program with a pretty um, big job. I, I was a vice president at an ed tech company and had a very large team um, in it did grow actually during the time in, in the program. And so I was really rooted there and happy. Um, my organization was acquired in April of this past year. And that led to uh, honestly even better opportunity. I love the organization, um, had, you know, really grateful for um, the space they found for me and the teams that I was able to continue working with and start working with um, for some new teams. Um, but a uh, executive recruiter contacted me 
and, um, you know, just, I'm always open. Uh, you know, I think that's, that's good, good practice just to always have an open mind and, and answer the phone sometimes and learned a little bit more about the organization and the role, um, but also realized, uh, through one of, um, our classmates that, um, another classmate, Taylor, his mother, um, is, is connected with the organization. And so, you know, right away kind of connected with him and he connected me directly to her. So, um, you know, I do think <laughs> it is the Darden network that comes through once again, um, you know, cause I don't think I would have had quite the, um, I don't think I would have come to the, the interview process, uh, with the same clarity about, about the organization for one thing. And I also know, you know, there was a lot of, there's a lot of power in connections. And so um, that was also really helpful just to, you know, even for them to know, hey, someone else knows, knows this, this woman. And, um, you know, so I, I absolutely um, credit, credit that connection with helping me. Uh, but yes, so now I have moved in, I'm about a month, not quite a month in as the chief early learning strategy officer for Primrose Schools. And Primrose is a um, pretty large network of early learning and care centers across the country and they're franchised um, centers. So I work on the corporate side or the sports center side. And I think the the great thing for me, not only, um, you know, not only does it keep me really to my core of really optimizing the curriculum and the instruction that we're able to provide in the most important years of a kid's life, uh, it is also learning a whole new other side of a business. I've never worked in a franchised organization before like this, and I've, I think the dynamic of that is fascinating, and, you know, I'm also um, from a, you know, how, how much early education and early care sits right at the center of our economic and workforce and, um, you know, all sorts of things for our entire society. It's fascinating um, to see a business model that underpins that, that is quite honestly very effective, um, you know, and so that, that's been, uh, that, I think that's another thing that really drew me to this role. So that sounds like a lot to think about for 500, did you say 500 different franchises out there? I mean, how do you even orient to a job like that? Um, I don't, uh, you know, I, I, you don't, right? And I, I think I credit, I'll, I'll kind of go back and credit Darden with a lot of the way that I'm thinking about approaching these conversations is with probably the humility I learned uh, there too. Of It's all about people. It's all about respecting the you know, brilliance that they bring, the context that they have that I don't know. And you know, at the same time, coming to it and saying, I see you, I hear you, I, you know, I admire everything you've done. I'm new here, like, what are we gonna do together? And I do think um, you know, that's a style that, I hold close to, you know, in, in terms of a leadership um, approach, but it's also definitely something I've honed here um, because I think that's at the kind of very essence of a lot of not only the cases you read, um, but also the way that you interact with other people, kind of back to what I was saying earlier of, you know, I've, I've kind of learned you're, you might be right about something, but you're also a little bit wrong about it too, no matter what. And, you know, I think I always keep that in my mind and now thinking about everything that I need to learn, um, you know, being pretty clear, asking for that grace and asking, you know, for patience. Uh, 
but at the same time also you know really reassuring people that i'm here i'm here to learn and you've got my commitment um you know that i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna work until you know i'm, ne I'm never gonna stop right or I'm, not, I'm, I'm never gonna stop learning and um you know i'm here to be a force for good so um, I think th those are the biggies for me right now and that at least, you know, in this organization, I have been just so incredibly um, impressed and thrilled by how open people are and how, how warm of a welcome I've gotten so far. It has to be interesting uh, doing that kind of work anytime, but particularly at, at this moment, it feels like there's a lot of focus on early childhood development, early childhood education. I feel like has a Kate Middleton also taken this up as one of her uh, causes um, that she's really focused on? I think I saw that on the news the other other day. Um, yeah, we're we're best friends. <laughs> she got that idea from me. Um, no, I, I think it's it's huge. It's it's really huge. And there's for for people who are you know actually I I would argue most people it's hard to walk into a preschool and not feel that energy. Also at the same time, feeling the weight of, holy cow, that is our country's most vulnerable population and we need to do right by them. And, um, you know, and we also need to run an, an effective business to do that. And there again is, is also something that I certainly have learned here about um, doing good while doing well is really at the heart of, you know, again, the, the kind of little sweet spot I've found at the intersection of education and business, that I think those two things have to go together for us to do this right. It's interesting your point about, you know, your typical MBA student. I, I think oftentimes people think about the typical MBA in the world and they don't always think about the doing good and, and doing well piece of it. Mm -hmm. I think we do here. Um, that, that I would say surprised me. Uh, about how much of our content focuses on that and how, how often we're encouraged to really recenter around that. Uh, so, you know, I'm pleasantly surprised by that, but I'm, I guess, you know, in, in hindsight now and in my experience in companies, um, one doesn't come without the other either way, you know, and, and I know for us on, you know, in, in the education side, if we stop doing the right thing for children, our business will suffer. Um, and if we focus only on what we think is going to be right for our business, the children, you know, will suffer, which then in turn, you know, hurts our business. And so, you know, I I very firmly believe when we talk in, in the Darden space, we talk a lot about your stakeholders, right? Um, managing what is best across stakeholders is maybe a little cleaner um, in the education space because, you know, again, you do right by kids, you do right by your business uh, in this market. But I think it's a it's a good analog for pretty much every business. I feel a little bit more confident about going into any other sector um, with that as my guide too, and feeling feeling pretty confident about that. Do you still get into the classroom? Do you miss uh, teaching in that way? I was there last week. Um, okay. Um, I, yes, uh, you know, that that's huge for, for where I am in learning and getting to know folks across the organization. And I, I absolutely want to and need to have a presence um, in schools. 
Um, but yes, I, you know, I, I don't think I can do my job well without that. Um, I, I very firmly believe that because for us, you know, in, in education at large, I mean, even, even I'm sure this, this is a conversation among the faculty at Darden is there always has to be a balance between research and theory and practice. And, you know, there's always this kind of push pull. And I talk a lot about like kind of building a bridge between the two and, you know, my, I see my job and I think a lot of the Darden faculty see their jobs too as like being the bridge between those things. So what are you looking forward to in the, in the next few months in, in your job specifically? Ooh, um, just that, you know, I think getting, um, getting to really appreciate what our secret sauce is. And, you know, I, I, I get it. And I, you know, Primrose is a, is a phenomenal organization and they're doing really incredible things. And, you know, I, you hear, you, you say this and it's amazing how many people come, have come kind of out of the woodwork and be like, oh, my child went there or, you know, my, my nephew is in a Primrose. And so it's fun for that, but, you know, really appreciating that, getting to know the people and their, their strengths, absolutely. And I am really driven also for finding ways that my team can start to be more than the sum of its parts. Um, I see, you know, I, I think that's always an opportunity and um, I'm coming into an organization that has done incredible things, but we're also shifting some things and that gives us a lot of opportunities to look at that. And, you know, I've been pretty clear with the team, use this, use my newness as the chance to raise some things that you think need to be discussed and to think about things differently. Cause I can promise you, I, I'm not coming in with a bias, <laughs> you know, and, and let's, let's open it up, right? We've got this great opportunity for it. So I think that that's, that's also um, creating space for people to think really big about where we should be going next. Well, Shifting back to your Darden experience, I wonder, do you have a favorite memory uh, from your time thus far? Oh boy. Um, you know, um, one thing that sticks out to me is Halloween of this past year. <laughs> That's not on the most academic of sides, but certainly a time my learning team um, went together and we were the breakfast club and um, I was supposed to, yeah, I, we, we, we were great and everyone had great costumes and I was traveling the week before and didn't have my costume. I got to the Target, um, Roslyn and went and bought a pink t-shirt and a bed skirt or a, no, not a bed skirt, a pillowcase, I'm sorry, a pillowcase and made that into a skirt. Um, so I could be Molly Ringwald's character. And, and it worked really well. So that one was fun. I would say um, academically, um, I think LR1 really stands out to me as such a transformative experience early on because it was this perfect blend for me as like spazzing out about how much reading we had. <laughs> and, you know, you go through all of these different classes and it's all this different content and you're just, your head is just spinning. Um, but it was always tempered so well with the opportunities to like connect and talk more about how we're gonna learn and how we're gonna be a community of learning. And 
you know, so I, I think I got both sides of that. And in the moment, it was a lot afterwards. Wow. That was like, that was really incredible. Well, I can tell you, it's not every day on the podcast where we get to talk about Molly Ringwald and LR1 all in, in one fell swoop. So um, I wonder, Amy, you got a little bit more time left in the program. Uh, what's on your, your Darden bucket list, so to speak? Hmm. I think like the pinky swear to everybody that, you know, I feel grateful, not only that, you know, the the one specific connection that really changed my life. But I feel really strongly that I've got a huge group of people that I know would help me and, you know, always be there for me professionally, personally, whatever. Um, you know, I guess kind of the, the pinky swear to make sure everybody knows that about me as well. And, um, you know, I've, I've had a handful of opportunities already where I've gotten to, you know, be a reference for somebody or connect them with somebody. And, um, it's so great. You know, it feels so good. And I, you know, I, I trust that that's going to be the case, um, forever with, with folks, but, um, you know, just really, really firming some of those bonds, um, with people and, um, you know, yeah, make, making sure that we, we've got all the right connections. And I do feel good about that, um, right now, but I think that'll be a huge, theme in the next, um, you know, the next few weeks that we have together. I think you're right about that, uh, just based on um, past classes. And there is a bittersweet element. I thought you hit it really on uh, right on the head at the very beginning. We talked about this particular moment. You know, you start to get a sense of, well, excited to be done. But man, I don't know if I'm I don't know if I'll I don't know if I'll get to be with this same group of people in the same place in the exact same kind of way. And um, that's, you know, that that's a wonderful thing, I think, in the, you know, for that to happen for executive MBA students. I, I think when I talk to prospective students, so many of the questions are about time and, you know, schedule. And, you know, when you talk to people on this end of the experience, they're not talking about time and schedule. They're talking about friendships and relationships and community. And that's fantastic. Well, and you of all people know this, but, um, you know, I, this inspired my husband to join the class of 25. And um, I do plan to tang along at least to most social events. And maybe I don't know if I can, if I can hide in accounting and all the classes I probably should take all over again, maybe I will. But <laughs> um, I'm excited for him to get this experience. And um, yeah, for sure, we'll try to tag along where I can. Well, last question for you here, Amy. Um, what's a piece of advice, something you would encourage our prospective student listeners to consider as they uh, embark upon their MBA journeys? I would say find the joy um, in it. You know, that th there are there were certainly some times where I had to dig down deep, um, you know, because it felt like there was a lot going on. And when you're at this stage, you know, where I am, I look back on it and think like, gosh, I wish I could get that back again, you know, and um, I didn't realize it then, but like, wow, what an incredible opportunity. And so for me, I, I kind of think about it of like, find the joy in whatever it is. I mean, some of it's really obvious, um, you know, and then when it's a beautiful Saturday at five o'clock and you're sitting in class and you can look down onto the Georgetown Harbor or whatever and see all the people sitting outside, <laughs> you know, find the joy in your space right there. Um, Cause that, that's something I kind of had to train myself to do too, but um, you know, I, I think 
keeping in mind, you're never going to get it back. You know, and you, this is hopefully the only MBA these people are going to do right uh, ever again. And, you know, just to be present in it and to, to, yeah, form those connections, take care of yourself, obviously. I mean, I'm kind of the first one to keep my head down during a break. Cause I can't like talk to anybody, you know, and I just need to eat my, you know, I need to eat a snack and just be quiet for a second. You know, I mean, I think that's okay, but that, you know, also, yeah, just not for not losing sight of what a great opportunity this is. Well, Amy, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We're so happy for you. Congratulations on your new job. That sounds, it sounds like you're already doing great things. Um, I loved, I loved your point about, sort of approaching it with humility and listening uh, to people. So um, best of luck as you uh, finish up here last uh, quarter or so of the program. Can't wait to see all of you at graduation. Likewise. Well, thank you so much for having me. And that was my interview with Amy Jackson, a second year student in our executive MBA class of 2023. As always, if you have any comments, suggestions, requests, anything you'd like for us to cover here on the podcast, we're all ears. We can be reached at exec, that's E-X-E-C, MBA at darden.virginia.edu. Till next time, stay safe, be well, and thanks for listening.